Susan ended with Happy New Year, and I want to start with Merry Christmas. I hope these aren't mixed signals. I, I, just, I just want us to celebrate the season of Christmas and the season of Epiphany uh, in a way that's bigger than we typically do. Today is the 10th day of Christmas. On the 10th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 10 Lords of Leaping? I don't know either. I, I didn't look it up. But I think it's Lords of Leaping. So help us. Yeah, send a comment. Look it up. What, what are we supposed to... The, you know, what did my true love send to me on this 10th day? So Christmas... Christmas is a 12-day celebration for those who follow Jesus. By observing the season of Christmas and then the next season, Epiphany, on the church calendar, what we're doing, we're tapping back into our ancient roots. We're, we're tapping back into the foundation upon which our faith rests. About 350 years after Jesus returned to heaven, the church recognized that there was a difference between Christmas and Epiphany. I'll read you a quote. Even before the year 354, the Western Church, that would be the church that was centered in Rome, had separated the celebration of the Nativity, the birth of Jesus, as the Feast of Christmas and set its date at December 25th. It reserved January 6th as the commemoration of the manifestation of Christ especially to the Magi, the wise men, but also at his baptism and at the wedding feast of Cana. Epiphany celebrates the manifestation of Christ, and Christ means the anointed one. It means Messiah. Uh, Christ does not mean like Messiah in general, some general Savior that we need. It, it means a very definite Messiah. Jesus, who now is called Christ, anointed one, Messiah, not as a title, but as a name. Both the Western Church, centered in Rome, and the Eastern Church in the Middle East, celebrated Epiphany uh, by emphasizing different aspects of that manifestation of Jesus. On the one hand, the Western Church commemorates the visit of the Magi to the infant Jesus, which is seen as evidence that Christ, who could be understood as a Jewish Messiah, actually is the Messiah of everyone. He came for the salvation not just of the Jew, but also for all Gentiles. And, and why? Why would the Western Church kind of focus on the salvation of Gentiles? Well, probably because by 350 AD, the Western Church was largely, not totally, but largely Gentile background believers. In the East, however, the commemoration of the baptism of Jesus in Epiphany celebrated the revelation that the incarnate God becoming flesh, Jesus, was fully God and fully man. 
The Eastern Church emphasized what's called a theophany, a God appearing of the epiphany. God made an appearance. God made an appearance. The appearance to Gentiles just didn't seem important to the Eastern Church as much as to the Western Church. What was important was that God showed up on the earth for all humanity, Jew or Gentile, to see. So with that as our history, what are we going to do? Well, I suggest that we do both. So as we approach Epiphany, which comes at the end of Christmas, we're celebrating Jesus, fully man, fully God, Messiah of not only Israel, but also of every nation. Jesus, the anointed one for all of humanity, making an appearance in our time and in our space. And I got to tell you, that just blows my mind that God would become, God would become a man. This baby we've talked about, this was God born as a human being in our midst. And one of the epiphany stories is found in Matthew 2, 1 to 11. And I want to read that to you. I just want you to listen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem Village, Judah Territory, this was during Herod's kingship, a band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. They asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on pilgrimage to worship him. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not only Herod, but also all of Jerusalem. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and the religion scholars in the city together and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? They told him, Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. It's you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land. No longer bringing up the rear. From you will come the leader who will shepherd, rule my people, my Israel. Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east. Pretending to be as devout as they were, he got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. Then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, Go find this child. Leave no stone unturned. As soon as you find him, send word and I'll join you at once in your worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again. The same star they had seen in the eastern skies. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They entered the house. They saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome. They kneeled, they worshiped him, and they opened their luggage and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, 
in murder. Epiphania is a technical term in Greek. It means a visible manifestation of a hidden divinity, either in the form of a personal appearance or by some deed of power by which the presence of that divinity is made known. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> These scholars from the East receive both forms of an epiphany. First, by some deed of power, that star, that guiding star, it was a star that appeared in the East. The East would have been Persia, Babylon, what would be today Iran. A star that announced in some way the birth of a new king in Israel. A star that compelled them to travel around the Fertile Crescent from somewhere in the east to Jerusalem. A trip of probably around 700 miles that took them maybe four months, maybe less. That epiphany was, was based upon this sign in the sky, a deed of power. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. God is communicating an event. But it's not just an epiphany by a deed of power. They were also amazed by a visible manifestation of the anointed one, a personal appearance. Where the star stopped, they entered the house and saw the child. They saw the child. The child born king of the Jews. And by their immediate response, they recognized him as king as well. Overcome by the child, the visible appearance of God as a child. They kneeled, literally, they laid themselves out flat on the ground and worshipped him. I look at us like those travelers from the east. And I believe all of us, every one of us, we need an epiphany of the Messiah. We need to experience a personal appearance of Jesus. Or, or we need some compelling deed of power that guides us towards that personal appearance of Jesus. Who is the Christ? Who is the anointed one? Who is the Messiah? And we need, we need to become, we need to be overcome by that appearance so that we drop to our knees before him. We fall on the ground face down and we worship him like these travelers. We are on a pilgrimage to worship Him. We're travelers. We're sojourners. We have yet to arrive. Our worship of Jesus has begun in infancy. Just as the travelers worshipped the baby, they worshipped the Messiah at the beginning, we're on a pilgrimage to worship Jesus at the end. Our pilgrimage in worship is to worship Him in His fullness. 
the fullness of humanity, the fullness of deity, the fullness of life, resurrected, never-ending life, His fullness of position, Lord of lords and King of kings. Our pilgrimage to worship Jesus begins this morning. We worshiped Him, but we're in journey towards worshiping Him in that fullness. Our worship of Him will continue through our community this year. It'll be continued in song. It'll be continued in prayer. It'll be continued in life. It'll be continued in serving others. And my prayer is that we'll travel well together. And that we'll keep our focus on the one we worship. May He, our Messiah, Jesus, grant us glimpse after glimpse of who He is as our King. The one with all authority granted to Him as we kneel, as we worship Him, as we learn to worship Him and only Him. To help us this year, I, I came across this prayer for our journey, and I'd like us to pray it as well. Lord, we will trust you. Help us to journey beyond the familiar and into the unknown. Give us the faith to leave old ways and break fresh ground with you. Christ of the mysteries, can we trust you to be stronger than each storm we face? We choose to live beyond regret and let you recreate our lives together. We know we will see new things birthed if only we trust you. Amidst all the uncertainty, we believe you will make a way for us and provide for us if only we trust you. We know that our times are always in your hand and that you will lead us in the dark times, if only we trust you. We will believe you for our future, chapter by chapter, until all the story is written. Lord, we will trust you. We accept the responsibility. We will hear and obey and trust. It is your voice we hear, the call of the Spirit, the cry of the bird. May we, as a community following Jesus, receive the blessings of this prayer for this new year. And may we together trust him in our pilgrimage to worship him. Amen.